Hey, well, welcome everyone. My name is Omar, and uh, I serve as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to take the time to welcome all of our campuses right now. Joining us live all throughout Miami. Amazing, right? All throughout Miami, joining us live, as well as our global campuses and everyone online. In fact, let's go ahead and give it up for them right now. Hey, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, we are in a journey through the Gospel of Mark, and we are in a series called Kingdom Come. And we've been studying about this coming kingdom that God has in store for us, for His children. And so today we're going to be looking at how to fight temptation in the middle, uh, in the middle of our journey through the kingdom by looking at the temptation of Jesus. And so I am ready and excited to dive into God's Word. I hope you are too. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, and you can follow along as I read. Let's do what God's Word says. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being what? Being tempted, being tested by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat at all campuses. Now, one of my earliest memories as a child was back in Puerto Rico when I was about five years old on a Christmas day. Now, slip into the scene for a moment because I remember waking up as a chunky little kid and being so excited that I knew everyone was still asleep in the, in, in, in the house. So I ran to the Christmas tree, and there were a bunch of gifts everywhere, but there was one gift that stood out. And so I went to that gift, I took up the wrapping paper, and family, lo and behold, guess what was inside of that box? It was a Nintendo entertainment system. How many of you had Nintendo back in the days? Yeah. At all campuses, yeah, many of us had Nintendo, and we all know that the game that this console came with was what? Was Super Mario Brothers. And so I opened up that box, I was so excited, so pumped, took it out of the box, got all the cords, connected it to the back of that Zenith television, you all remember that? Yeah, the one with the tube TV with a little plug that you had to pull out and then turn the channels so I connected it to the back of that, I, uh, I got the cartridge and I saw other kids doing this, so I went, right? I blew on it for a little bit, I put it in the console, closed it, turned it on, and family, here is what I experienced. Take a look. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, how many were a little nostalgic watching that, right? We all kind of trans, got transported back to our childhood. Now, for those of you who are not too familiar with the game, let me just give you a quick overview of what takes place in it. To start off, the main character is who? It's Mario, right? Now, for the you young folks, listen, this was true graphics, 8-bit right here, right? We got right there. And uh, now, now, mind you, Mario in the game, he is in the mushroom kingdom. That's where he lives, right? He's making his way through the mushroom kingdom, and he is in pursuit of who? Of Princess Toadstool. Now, look at her there in all her beauty, right? Princess Toadstool waiting for Mario. Now, follow me here. Because Mario's journey through this kingdom was not an easy journey, but rather it was a very difficult journey. And here's why. It's because in this kingdom, there was an enemy. And what was his name? Bowser. Yeah, Bowser. And so as he's going through this kingdom, listen, he has to evade all of the tasks or all the temptations that Bowser would send his way. And if he was really determined, he would eventually get to the end and finally meet Bowser. In fact, take a look at the final scene. Now, I know many of you forgot the ending scene, right? Because I know I had forgotten it. But folks, listen, do not miss the point. Because every child knew the moment that they started playing that Mario's journey through this kingdom was not going to be easy. But rather, it will be very difficult. Why? Because there was an enemy there that would be sending him tasks and temptations along the way. Now, family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because, folks, what an image of our journey into the kingdom of God. And by that I mean that just like Mario, listen, ha, you know, his journey into the kingdom was difficult, right? Because of all these tests, all these temptations, and it's just like that. And here's the big takeaway as we dive into God's word. In our journey into the kingdom of God, listen, it's not going to be an easy journey, but rather a very difficult journey. Because we're going to have to face many tests, many temptations along the way. And who knows, maybe right now you're watching and you're thinking, oh, man, I'm tracking with you. Because I started my walk with Christ a while back and I wish I could say it's been smooth sailing. But the reality is that it's been anything but smooth sailing. Because even though I want to honor Christ, I feel like I've been tripped up by the enemy. I've been stumbling. I've been falling into different temptations. You know, whenever I get into the argument with my spouse, you know, whenever I get myself into that situation, whenever I open up that computer screen, I keep falling into temptation. And I want to be able to get to a point where I honor Christ. So, Omar, how can I get to a point that I do that? What do I need to know about temptation? And how can I overcome it? Because I want to. Well, listen, we're going to find out from Mark chapter 1, all right? So if you have your Bibles at all campuses, online, everywhere, wherever you're watching, turn to Mark chapter 1. 
And uh, you can also follow along with our, in our app. You can fire up our apps right now. You can download it from the app store. And there is a passage to fill in the blanks. You can type in notes. It's a terrific app. Make sure you download it. And so here I have two thoughts for you today on the temptations and the tests that we're going to face in the kingdom and how to do so. So write this down as point number one. The first thing we need to understand is that in this world, until we get to God's complete kingdom, listen, temptations are sure to come. Amen? Temptations are coming. Now, let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. It says, so the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness, what, 40 days being what? Being tempted, being tested by Satan. Now, Stop right there for just a moment. Because last week we looked at the baptism of Jesus and, now, and how not only did it mark the beginning of the ministry of Christ, but it also in many ways it marked the beginning, the start, the inauguration of this brand new kingdom of God. And folks, the first, the very next thing that we see right after that is that Jesus now is taken out into the wilderness and he's being tempted and tested. Meaning what? Meaning, listen, that in our journey, right, in and towards the kingdom of God, listen, we will face many temptations along the way. And here's who is behind all of those temptations. Write this down at small letter A. Satan is the source of all of our temptations. Notice what the passage states, right? It says, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by who? By Satan himself. Now, I'm not saying that Satan is behind every temptation. You know, I know, you know, it's, um, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we don't, we're not a church that talks all the time about Satan, right? We only talk about him when he comes up in scripture. And we're also one that doesn't, you know, a church that doesn't think that every little thing that happens in life is because Satan is involved, right? But folks, make no mistake about it. Listen, when you think about the concept of temptation, everything could be traced back, all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Satan was. See, folks, that is why Jesus calls Satan not the father of some lies, not the father of most lies, but what? The father of all lies. Jesus calls him the deceiver. Jesus calls him the accuser of the brethren. Jesus, you know, God's word calls him a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Family, can I remind you? Listen, Satan is not a novice at this whole concept of temptation. Our enemy is very crafty when it comes to a point that he's been doing this from the very beginning in the garden of Eden. Now, when we approach this passage in the Gospel of Mark, it's very short, right? This is the shortest account of the temptation of Jesus. But I want to show you that there's a pattern here, okay, that mirrors the book of Genesis. You know, last week we saw that God created the heavens and the earth, right? That original kingdom was established. And what do we see next? We see that God places Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and what happens right after he is their place in the Garden of Eden? Satan comes to tempt them. And folks, when we look at the Gospel of Mark, the same pattern happens. 
Because we see that immediately after the kingdom is established, right? The new kingdom is starting, is inaugurating, there's, there's things are happening. The very next thing is that we see Christ now go to another garden, in a sense. And what's the first thing that happens there? He's tempted by Satan. Now, family, listen, there is a big, big difference, though, between the temptation of Adam and the temptation of Christ. In fact, write this down as B and C. You know, where Adam fell into temptation in the first garden, Christ overcame temptation in the second garden. And family, isn't that what is amazing about our Lord? Amen? That where you and I, where we failed, where we failed and, 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 and fell into sin, Christ, on the other hand, succeeded. You see, when Adam sinned, it brought into this world sin and death. And when Christ succeeded, when Christ overcame that temptation, it brought forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Amen? Say, can we get up for the Lord for that? The fact that Christ overcame for us. And family, listen, Mark's gospel here says something that's very unique that I want to just point out to us as we look at this, at this short account. Listen to what it says. It says that he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the what? With the wild animals. Now, family, why would Mark here write, specify that he was with the wild animals? Well, you got to remember that back in the Garden of Eden, before sin and death had come, before Adam had sinned, there was no pain, no suffering, no sorrow. Everything was great. In fact, even the animal kingdom was tamed. Every animal was tamed at the animal kingdom. But folks, the moment that Adam sinned, the moment that Adam rebelled against the king of the kingdom, and death and suffering came, and pain and marital issues and all these things came into this world, listen, it even distorted the animal kingdom. Now they were not tame animals, now they were wild animals. And so, so, so some commentators suggest here that what Mark is doing is hinting at the fact that the first Adam faced temptation in a peaceful garden yet failed, while Christ fa faced temptation in a dangerous garden or a dangerous wilderness yet succeeded. And family, because Jesus overcame temptation and went on to live a perfect life of obedience, listen, the Bible tells us that for those of us who put our faith in Christ, for those of us who no longer trust in us, but we attach ourselves to Christ through faith, listen, when you and I stand before God, we are not going to be judged based on our sinfulness, on how many times we fell into temptation, but rather we're going to be judged based on the obedience and perfect life of Christ. Amen, family? In fact, if you're here today, you're brand new, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is Christianity about? You know, what is all this about? Listen, you need to understand something very important, that when you die, you are going to stand before God. You're going to have to give an account for everything you've ever done, for every sin, for everything shameful you've done. Every time you fell into temptation, you're going to have to give an account for everything you've done. And family, Scripture is very clear that the consequence of everything we've done is eternal death, eternal condemnation separated from God. 
But family, here's the good news of the gospel. Here's the great news that God has for us today. Listen, that for us who've put our faith in Christ, listen, we are not going to be judged based on our faithlessness, but rather we will be judged on the faithfulness of Christ. Can I say that again? Listen, when you and I stand before God for the children of God, we're not going to be judged based on our faithlessness, on how many times we fail, but rather on the obedience and the faithfulness of Christ. Amen? Can we praise the Lord for that? And here's the thing. Even though we can live our lives resting, wow, you know, we know that when we stand before God, we're going to be judged on the obedience of Christ. Listen, Christ does command us still to fight temptation. He's commanding you to, to resist temptation with everything you have. And so we don't fight temptation because we are fearful of being condemned, right? We know that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But we fight temptation, we resist temptation. Listen carefully, it's because we love the Lord, amen? Because we wanna glorify God, because we wanna live according to his will. In fact, a good proof that you are a child of God, that you do know Christ as Savior, is to the degree that you are able to fight and resist temptation. You see, if there is no willing desire here right now in your life to fight temptation, you don't have any desire, you want to just live like you want, you want to give in to sin, you don't care, you're doing the church sin, but you don't have no real desire in your heart to fight temptation. Listen, that may be a cue that you truly do not know Christ as Savior. Because what we see is that when you do know Christ, listen, there's a desire. You might not be perfect, but man, there is a desire in you to fight and to resist temptation. So here's what you need to know as we live this life of fighting temptation. Write this down as big number two. Listen, in this world, temptation must be strategically resisted. Strategically. No, family, the reason that I say strategically is because fighting temptation may be way harder than you and I realize. You see, the enemy, like I said, he's not a novice. He's actually a great studier who you are because he knows exactly what your situation is. He knows what's happening in your private life. He knows what's happening in your marriage. He knows what's happening in your finances. He knows your background. He knows your past. He knows those secret things you've done. He knows your propensity. He knows your desires. He knows, he knows everything. He has studied you really carefully. And so when he brings a temptation to you, listen, he's going to bring a different temptation for you and for me because he tailors each temptation based on that specific person. In fact, he is so crafty at what he does that you won't even really realize that it's actually a temptation that you're facing. You wouldn't even realize it. In fact, he's almost like a master fisherman. You know, what makes a fisherman a master fisherman is that they know exactly the fish they're going after. They know the environments they live in. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. They know what they're attracted to. They don't, they like, listen, they know everything about the fish. And so they're going to create a lure that's so fitted to them, to that fish, that when that fish sees it, it won't even realize that it's a lure. In fact, that fish is gonna think it's something good for them. 
And folks, what an image, listen, what an image, right, of how our enemy tempts us. Because oftentimes, listen, he knows you so well. He knows your situation right now. What you're thinking right now, he knows. And he's going to design a lure for you right now. Then not only will you not realize that he's tempting you, but listen carefully. You might even think that if you give into this temptation, you're even increasing in godliness. So let me give you a couple examples. Let's suppose you're in the middle of a, of a struggling marriage, and he knows what's going on. You guys are not getting along. Typical marriage issues was happening. In your, you know, and, and listen, the enemy knows exactly what hap- what's going on. So it'll come your way. He'll, he'll start tempting you. Hey, it's time to throw in the towel in this marriage. Ah, you're just not meant to be with each other. You're just getting just too many arguments in this marriage. Or listen, just live together. We're just roommates. Don't fight for this marriage. Or even worse, he might tempt you to go outside of your marriage and have an affair. And you know what happens oftentimes? That temptations to come along where we're in a, in a struggling marriage. We might even think if we give into whatever temptation the enemy is, is bringing to us, we think, listen, we're in the right. You don't know what they've done. You, know, you don't know their attitude. You don't know this, this, and that. And so you make, the enemy will make you feel, think that whatever thing you're giving into, that you're actually in the right. Or maybe perhaps the enemy is coming to you and he wants, to, he wants you to compromise your purity, your sexual purity. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows your singleness. He knows what's happening. He knows your secret moments. He knows all these things. So he'll bring a temptation for you. And he'll even get you to think, you know, I'm going to give in to this. But then the Lord knows my heart. And I have needs in my life. And I'm going to do this, but I know I'm so right with God. And so he'll make you think you're still, that you're still honoring Christ. Or maybe we're in a awareness situation right now with so many transitions happening politically and all these things. You know, there's a lot of instability. You know, we don't really know what's happening. We're all trying to figure out what the future holds for us. So you start thinking financially, well, I'm okay right now, but, you know, I got I to I think about the future here. And so the enemy will come to you and tempt you to stop trusting Christ as your provider, but start trusting yourself. So what happens? You start hoarding in all the money. It's all about you. It's not about what Christ or God. No, no, no. It's about me. I'm, I'm the one providing for myself now. You're not generous with anybody. You don't, you're not generous towards the cause of Christ. You don't, get, you, know, you don't do anything. And somewhere along the way, you start thinking, well, I'm just being responsible. When in reality, you're not really honoring Christ with what he was giving you all along. You see how that works, folks? Listen, the enemy's really good. He will paint a picture for you to make you think that I'm actually increasing in godliness. So you're probably thinking, all right, Omar, so if the enemy's so good at what he does, what, what can we do? Well, listen, I have three practical steps for us today, all right? It's very practical. The first one is this. Write this down, a small letter A. The first thing is, listen, you need to know God's word, amen? If we're going to fight temptation, you, we need to know God's word. Now, the Gospel of Mark is very brief, just several verses, and maybe perhaps it's because there's a connection here between Adam and Christ, and so, you know, he's kind of focusing on that. But the Gospel of Matthew, which is another book of the Bible that also talks about the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Christ, 
the Gospel of Matthew actually expands a little more what happens in that temptation. And so let's go now to the Gospel of Matthew and let's read a little bit of what happens in the midst of all that. Listen to what happens. It says, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil tested him and took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and if you will worship me. But then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And what does it say next? And the devil what? Left him. Now, fam, take a look at that because notice, the Lord's response here is to the temptations of the enemy We're not to think logically what I should do. His temptation was not to debate back and forth with Satan. His strategy was not even to take out his his cell phone and text his disciples and, hey, what do you guys think I should do? Hey, I'm going to text my buddies, right? What do you think I should do in this situation? What did he do? Listen, he answered every temptation with what? With God's word. See, you know, you need to understand this that if you truly do not know God's word, if you're not a student of God's word, if you don't, listen, you're gonna fall into temptation. This is why David in Psalms 119, he says this, he says, I have stored up or I have hidden your word, where? In my heart. And why does he hide his word in his heart? So that he may not sin against you. You see, family, when the very first step for you and I is that when we're stuck in those habitual sins and we keep tripping over the same temptation over time, listen, you gotta go to God's word. You gotta figure out what God says about that sin by that error in your life, why we fall into that sin, and what are the real consequences of those sins. And so the first thing is you, you need to approach God's word and understand why God says, what God says about that area in your life. But family, let me just warn you, as you approach God's word, listen, make sure that you don't approach God's word to see how far your limits are before you sin before God. See, sometimes people make, make the mistake that you can approach God's word looking for kind of loopholes in God's word. See, how far can I go with my boyfriend, my girlfriend physically and still not sin before God? How much can I drink? How much can I pound before I'm right and and still be right with God? You know, where where does it say in the Bible? Or how little can I help someone, serve the Lord, give whatever the case may be and still be right with God? 
See, oftentimes, it's so easy, and I know what it is because I've been there, and I know what it is to approach God's word trying to figure out how far you can go. But let me tell you something. If that's where you're at right now, listen, the enemy got you on his hook already, and you don't even know it. If that's how you're approaching God's word, listen, the enemy already got you. But, but listen carefully. When we approach, when God's people approach God's word, it's not to see how far we can go, but rather how far we need to stay away from it. Can I repeat that? When God's people approach God's word, it's not to see how far we can go in this sin, but rather listen, how far we can away, stay away from, it, away from it. Because listen, we know what God's word says, amen? And so family, the first step is, listen, you need to know God's word and specifically what it says about that area in your life. But also write this down as letter B. Listen, we also need to stay out of ungodly environments. Now, let's be honest. If you start meditating and thinking about that sin in your life, most likely the common denominator is you find yourself in the exact same environment every single time. But you see, part of resisting temptation is putting yourself in the right environments. Because listen, you cannot expect to overcome sin in your life if you keep going to the same bar, to the same club every single weekend. Listen, you cannot expect to overcome sin and resist temptation if you find yourself by yourself with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, every chance you get. Listen, you cannot expect to overcome sin if you go hang out with your old buddies every single weekend that are not living for Christ, you can't expect to not be tempted and not overcome temptation. Listen, you cannot expect to resist temptation if at work you pass by the office of that guy or that girl who are always trying to flirt with you even though they know you're married. See how that works? Folks, listen, we, we gotta get out of those environments. Oh, Omar, why are you judging me? Man, I didn't come to church to get judged. How wanna get come to church to be encouraged? Listen, I'm not trying to judge you. Listen, I'm just trying to be real with you. Because at some point, listen, we got to look at God's word. We got to be, we got to put aside our hypocrisy, saying that we want to pursue Christ, that we want to honor Christ, but we put ourselves in the same situation, right? I mean, at some point, we got to face that reality and say, you know what? If I'm serious about my walk with Christ and resisting temptation, listen, I am not, I am not going to place myself in those environments anymore. And so, folks, not only do we need to know God's word, get ourselves out of those ungodly environments, but lastly, write this down as letter C. We need to build friendships with God's people. Amen? With God's people. Now, folks, I've told you before, and so the last day that I'm a pastor here, I will tell you this over and over. Listen, even though your walk with the Lord is purely personal, and it is, the people who you surround yourself with have a huge impact in your walk with the Lord. Listen, let me just say that again. Even though your walk with Christ is purely personal, right? It really is. It's just you and God. The people who you surround yourself with have a monumental impact in your walk with Christ. Can I get an amen to that? Listen, you need to understand the impact that the people you surround yourself with. And you know, it's interesting when you look, 
Jesus did not choose 12 disciples in remote areas, right? In one country here, one country there, or, you know, isolated from each other. In fact, he brought a small group of people together, of young men, not only so he can disciple them, but why? So they can build friendships with each other. Now, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you cannot have any friends in your life that are not Christians. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that the closest people in your life should be people who are passionately pursuing Christ. In fact, let me just show you a visual that we've shown you here before several times, but you know what? I think it's important for you to see it again because the more you see this, the better you kind of understand the framework of it. So for example, this represents you, right? You're, if you're a student, maybe you're a young adult, perhaps you're a young professional, maybe you're, um, you know, you're married already, you're a single mom, a single dad, you're a couple, perhaps you're a little older in life. You know, that represents you. And all of us, we all have what? A, a small group of friends who are our closest friends, what we call our best friends, right? Those are the people you hang out with all the time, you text all the time, you're in a group chat, you chat, you call them up, some news, that's your closest friends. Then we all have another bigger circle, which are just our friends. And these are people who we're cool with, that when we see, we chat with them, and it's fun, and that's about it, but no, they're just our friends. And then we also have now the bigger circle, which is our acquaintances, people that we know randomly, but they're just acquaintances. And family, as a pastor, here's what I've seen many times of people as a common trend that I see in people who struggle in their walk with Christ, who are always falling into temptation all the time. What I've realized is that oftentimes those people who are struggling in their walk with Christ, the people who are surrounding them, who are closest to them, are people who are not uh, pursuing Christ. People who are not walking towards the things of God. They're people who may be good people, you know, they're not believers, but they're not, they're not seeking to honor Christ. And sure, they have friends who are, you know, uh, Christians here and here, but the closest group of people, they're not believers. Somewhere along the line, we start thinking, well, yeah, I could be a Christian and all my closest friends be unbelievers. But God's word warns us, listen, do not be fooled. Bad company ruins good morals. It really does. And so if you're serious about taking steps in your walk with Christ, in, you know, really taking steps and growing in your relationship with God, listen, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that you can have friends and acquaintances that are not believers because at the end of the day, listen, we have a mission, right? We, we, we want to reach people for Christ. But you need to surround yourself with people who are passionately pursuing Christ, people who are love the Lord, who want to help you that you can pray with, that you can talk about things with the Lord. And you know what happens when you, the closest people in your life, when they are believers, you know what's interesting? Temptation goes down pretty significant. Let me give you a quick example. Let's suppose right here today you are struggling with cursing. Here's what I would just say. I guarantee you since the, day, since the time you sat here in service, you haven't cursed. Hey, I've heard a lot of amens. I haven't heard a lot of curse words today. Why? Who's going to curse around God's people? You don't get tempted. But you know what? When you go back and you hang out with those friends, they come out, don't they? Guys, it's simple. It's your environment. 
is the people you surround yourself with. And so you're probably wondering, oh, more or less, I'm ready to take steps in my walk with Christ. I'm ready to overcome temptation. So where's the place that I can study God's word, get out of these ungodly environments, and really build friends with God's people? Listen, the answer is simple. The answer is in small groups. You know, small groups, if you're joining us here, you know, recently, small groups, it's very simple. It's Bible studies that we have during the week where we study God's word. You're in the right environment. And guess what? You start building friendships with people that love the Lord, that will help you, and that will help you along the way. So family, it is critical. Listen, that every single one of us, every single one of us watching online, listen, that we are in the context of biblical community. You know why I'm so passionate about this? It's because I've experienced a life of being a believer but not in biblical community. You know, when I started my walk with Christ for a while, listen, I was somebody who came to church, did the church thing, but all my friends were unbelievers. And I remember, man, I struggled with everything. In my, listen, I struggled with it, right? You go out, temptation here and there, the, you know, the, the, the language, finding your identity and things of this world, all the things that the world has to offer. You have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And I really believe that the Lord allowed me to go through that season to taste what it is to not be surrounded by God's people. And so I want to challenge you, listen, the moment, you know, to join a small group, because the moment, the, the defining moment in my walk with Christ, I wish I could tell you was with, when I was by myself in my room reading God's Word, <laughs> is that God's Word is crucial, right? But the defining moment that took my life, my walk with Christ to the next, to the next level was when I got into a group, into a men's group specifically, started studying God's Word, I got to the right environment, I built friendships to the point that today, those guys are still my best friends today. Why? something special happens in the context of community and so I want to challenge you listen if 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 you are part of a small group and you stop because of this pandemic hey, get re-engaged this is the time to do it and maybe you're saying here today listen I, I would love to join a small group how is it very simple you take out your phone and that's what you do text the word CF groups to 31 31 31 you'll get a link you fill that form check out I want to join a small group and our small groups will help you find a group that fits you best if you get into a group, you don't really like it, you don't jive with the people, don't worry, we'll get you to another group. But the key is you got to be in community. Or maybe you are part of a small group and you've seen the power of small groups and you're like, man, I would love to lead a group, whether on Zoom or whether in my house or outside a park, it doesn't matter. I would love to lead a group, host a group, do something, create that environment. Well, listen, that's the link. You can put, join a group, I'm sorry, uh, host a group or a leader group. And our small group team will give you, equip you, and get you ready to go. But listen, if you feel a tug in your heart right now, listen, that's the spirit of God saying, hey, you need to go and get into community. You need to start walking with me the way you were, I envisioned for you to do. All right? So today, let me just end with, by praying for us, and uh, we'll be concluded for today. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, we just love you so much, and we thank you, because uh, you are it's a faithful God. To see how when we failed, you succeeded, you overcame temptation, you lived that perfect life, so that when we stand before you, O oh Lord, we won't be judged according to our sin, but to the obedience of Christ. And Father, I know that all of us, Lord, as a church, Lord, there's a desire for us to take steps. 
And so my prayer right now, Lord, is for all of us to have this determination to strategically resist temptation. But Father, to get in a small group, Lord, in the context of community so that we can be the people that you envision us to be. So Father, thank you, Lord, and I pray for us, Lord, that we would take those steps of obedience now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Hey, can we give it a shout of praise to God? Well, I'm going to call all the campus pastors to come to the front. Christ Fellowship, be back next week. We are continuing this series on the kingdom, uh, uh, called Kingdom Come, right? I want you to be part of it, right? Love you all. Have a great, great day.